I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Hi folks, once again, yes, Matt Dixon, your host with the Purple Patch Podcast, and I start this week with a simple question. Are you surviving or thriving? Yes, we go off the serious training education this week and we tackle a subject with, I think, has a little broader appeal. What are the simple strategies that we can use drawing from an athletic mindset that can help balance energy at work and allow best work performance? As much as I don't want you punching the ticket in training, I want you present, thriving and focused throughout your day of work. Ultimately, your future depends on it. Today, we get practical and we dial in daily energy management. Oh, and we skip all that life hacking bullshit. Simple, sound, actionable steps that work. That is my promise. But before we do that, let's embrace the gift of giving. Yep, the Wildflower Giveaway. Yes, I just made my way back from Wildflower. What a wonderful race weekend it was. So enjoyable. Great to be back at a, quote, real race. But we're not here to talk about my little vacation slash coaching journey to Wildflower. We're talking about the giveaway. We had over 1,500 people enter the event. Thanks so much to Roker and Picky Bars for their support and, of course, providing many of the packages and prizes on offer. And if you are one of the lucky three, we're going to reach out and via email and make arrangements for the delivery of the prizes. And so without further ado, who won the big grand prize. Grand prize, the Roka Maverick X wetsuit. An hour consultation with me, the Purple Patch head coach, Matt Dixon. And three things from Picky Bars, an 18-pouch mixed pack of Picky Oats, an 18-bar mixed pack of Picky Bars, and, of course, a Picky Bars water bottle. Very cool stuff. Here we are. Drum roll, please. If only I had a drummer. The big prize winner, Terence Decker. Well done, Terence. We're going to reach out to you. But it's not over yet. You still have two more chances. Here is the runner-up. This is a pair of Phantom Titanium Ultralight Performance Sunglasses from Roka, a signed copy of the Fast Track Triathlete, and a nine-pouch mix of Picky Oats, 10-par mix of Picky Bars. And that will go to Jen Adams. Well done, Jen. And finally, third place, still great value, Roka swim bag with all of the training accessories inside, purple patch trucker hat, and a 10-bar mix pack of picky bars. That is coming to Chris Rank. Well done, folks. Thanks so much for joining on that side of things. We will reach out to you guys individually, and now we can put competitions behind us and get back to business. Word of the week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wig. Let's open the book. Yes, folks, the word of the week this week is freedom. Freedom? No, this isn't about Nelson Mandela. This is a phrase that I occasionally use to frame success in races. I want you to give yourself permission or freedom to fail. Freedom to fail. Aren't we supposed to actually be trying to excel? Absolutely. But way too many athletes and performance-driven people have their physical potential scuppered by over-worrying about the outcomes and the results. 
speak to many athletes in race week and the questions revolve around what ifs. They're fearful of potential outcomes, some of which are impossible to control. What if? Yes, what if? What if you do great? What if you excel? What if, believe it or not, you have fun? Instead of focusing on outcomes and potential negatives and inadvertently shackle performance potential, it's a relief to realize that failure in a race doesn't typically come with massive consequences. Leaning into a freedom to fail or simply allowing yourself to ask your body to perform and reward your work is a route to race without fear and instead with a fun and fearless attitude. Freedom to fail, tilt it to positive, give yourself permission to be fearless and go and have fun. That is the foundational route to allowing performance to express itself. And that's why the word of the week this week is freedom. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, folks, the meat and potatoes this week. And the first thing I want to do is frame this conversation. We're going to be talking about energy management in the workplace, making sure that you have fantastic daily energy so that you can thrive and perform outside of the time that you're training or exercising. But we have to actually get the framework of the conversation first. What are we trying to achieve? And I think this is important to return to the quest of performance, the four pillars of performance. So what is nailing it? Yes, we know that when you have appropriate endurance training supported with a backbone of good functional strength, nutritional habits, and of course enough recovery, you accelerate, you improve. And all of that is a positive thing. But remember that if you're a time-starved athlete or endurance fitness enthusiast, for me, Great success isn't just improving in that endeavor. We want to successfully integrate sport into life so that, yes, you improve. Yes, you can achieve your goals. But we want that in turn to lift your health, your ability to perform in the workplace, and, of course, bring the best version of yourself to your friends and family. With that in mind, we have to actually think about what we're doing in life and the workplace and everything outside of exercise so that we can enable it to flourish. And that's what this conversation is about today. So you might be listening to this as an aggressive endurance athlete, or you might just be a lifestyle fitness enthusiast looking for health and energy. Well, all of that is great because no matter what you are, this subject is going to apply directly to you and your performance journey. But first, let me tell you a cautionary tale, and I'm going to tell you a true story about John. Yes, a purple patch athlete. So John's based outside of New York. Yep, the dreaded train commute that many of you guys will be familiar with. He's got a great family, two kids. He's in financial services. And his big quest when I met him was to ramp up exercise towards a training mindset. He wanted to do this by consistently structuring some riding, a little bit of running, and even after a little nudge, a touch of swimming. But he wasn't an athlete per se. But the same principles are going to apply to you via John's story if you are even an aggressive, overly obsessive triathlete. With a quest for John, as he came to me, he came with really a very simple statement. I've got my life scheduled and I'm in control. What I need your help with, Matt, is ramping up my training. I want to get consistent. In fact, I want to get really fit. I'm used to the hard work 
I know that I have a little sleep, but just tell me what to do and I'll get it done. I want you to remember I was a high school athlete, so I'm very coachable. Just tell me what to do. Well, as soon as I heard these words from John, I knew that he didn't have the big picture lens. And in fact, his words that he stated were littered with red flags. Similar to one someone says, hey, I'm chill, I'm relaxed, and they're actually on the verge of exploding. Telling a coach that, that you are highly coachable often means that challenges lie ahead. And I could tell this might be a challenge. But don't worry, this story does end well. To frame the relationship, I asked John to actually refine his lens on coaching. Unlike his high school coaching experience where success was simply working hard and following orders, I asked him to view this partnership a little bit more like having an executive coach, someone to mentor, to guide and to push within a collaborative framework. I'd quickly realized that if he just adopted a strong light bull approach, he would quickly experience negative effects in all of the other areas of life. He listened, but did he really hear? Well, when it put into action and he started the training program, perhaps unsurprisingly, he was consistently training and chasing more training, more, more, more. He was on a quest. He was raised in the years of Rocky, Arnie and Rambo, and he would bring this to training. Toughness will prevail. All of the supporting habits for John were a complete afterthought. He had limited post-workout fueling. His sleep was consistently limited, especially as he got up very early in the morning to make those early morning exercise sessions. And to be honest, his daily eating and hydration habits were at best scattered. He was obsessed in training and anchored in the world of gels and Gatorade to fuel that training. But outside of that, he didn't give it a thought. His mindset was exercise will give me energy and it's going to help my body composition. I'm getting fit, so don't get in my way. Well, after a few weeks, actually about four or five weeks, I looked back at the training and what I saw with his exercise prescription and his execution of the prescription was really pretty good. There really wasn't anything wrong with his training. There was enough variance, enough structure around it. But to be honest, it was about four or five weeks before I would say the honeymoon was over. That strategy of toughness is only ever going to last so long. So I had a coaching option to make there. How am I going to get a shifting lens from John to get him to have a more integrated mindset? I realized that attacking the training approach was going to be tough short term. He simply wasn't ready to listen. So instead, I decided to go at it from the other side of the equation. I went after life energy and performance in the workday. And so five weeks into training, while he was training very, very hard, I asked him a simple question. How are you feeling throughout the day? How's your energy? How's your sleepiness? What was John's answer? Training is great, by the way. It really wasn't, but we'll save that piece. But wow, am I tired. I'm really struggling at work. And that was the opening. The intervention would begin. We could now uncover his symptoms. What was he feeling? He was training hard. He was motivated. He was committed and certainly executing the program. But wow, was he tired. Well, beyond his feeling, he was actually also feeling really scattered and unfocused. He reported having a harder time managing and executing to his calendar, often reported arriving to meetings unprepared, and he felt like a procrastinator. That was a cue for me. More of that to follow. 
He also said that when he woke up in the morning, he was also always really, really tired and sleepy. But when he arrived at the office, post-exercise, of course, he was energized and ready to hit the day. Well, of course he was. He was coming off the workout and all of the adrenalines and endorphins that occur with it. But mid-morning, he was starving and sleepy. And he had a really hard time controlling his eating portions at lunch, habitually breaking down, ordering fries, going to the potatoes. And of course, that led to the big afternoon slump. Low focus, feeling like his energy was in a pit and also feeling like he needed to sleep. What was the antidote for him? Reaching for a Coke or a Red Bull. Of course, that gave him an energy spike, but still tough to remain focused. He felt overwhelmed and he realized his decision making was not optimal in afternoon sessions. So what happened when he got home? Well, big cravings for starch and sweets. He wanted potatoes, he wanted pasta, he wanted pizza. And of course, just before he went to bed, he got the cravings for the chocolate and ice cream. And that afternoon sleepiness that he had, by the time he crashed in the evening, that was quickly replaced by broken sleep and being alert in the middle of the night. What was happening to him? Oh, and I shouldn't forget, already five weeks in, tight muscles, initial niggles, they all started to bubble to the surface. But we're going to hold off on the injuries today. We're going to purely focus on energy management. When I took a step back, what I saw with John is he was overstressed and already moving into underperformance. Beyond his training session and poor sleep, he had zero strategy for energy management in the day. He is failing to join the dots between training integration into a busy life and actually creating habits that would facilitate energy management outside. Doing something good in a singular focus was not yielding the positive results that he was looking for. This is the classic case. A passion had become an obsession, and ultimately John wasn't nailing it. Now, as you'll remember, performance is improvement in sport while lifting health, energy at work, and bringing the best version of yourself to family and friends. But unfortunately, John was myopically only considering training performance and therefore ignoring life commitments and stress. And very quickly, he was failing on all fronts. I would say he was functioning, he was surviving, but he wasn't thriving. So here's the chance to give the coaching gift. I think that we can help manage energy in the day with some important habits. And my hope is that these habits end up extending and the athlete gets to join the dots and shift behavior globally. We wanted John to actually focus on daily energy habits so that he could create an integrated mindset and he could stop considering things in this mutually exclusive manner, which ultimately only leads to frustration and failure. So this is where we pause the story. Let's dive into some education and then we're going to circle around and we're going to come back to John later in the show. So I want to talk about energy management, but let's frame it because this is critical if you are an athlete or you're just a fitness enthusiast. We have to perform in our day. Our hobby should help us facilitate that performance, but we have to have some very basic principled habits that enable us to facilitate that performance. So let it goes well beyond energy. It goes to optimal effectiveness in the workplace. And there are several things that we can manage and structure. 
So here is my list, and we're going to do a little deep dive into these. We have the magic seven. The first is how you plan and structure your week. We have to also talk about post-workout fueling, nutrition habits, and that goes into the amount, timing, and type of calories that you're consuming, hydration, how you move in the day and facilitate breaks, naps and meditation, and then lucky number seven is hot liquids and caffeine. Hot liquids, really? That has an effect on energy management? Absolutely, stay tuned. So we have a lot to play with. And I'm going to outline the rules on each, the very, very basic rules. And your goal, your mission is to align these goals with some of your habits. What I want you to do coming out of this discussion is think about one or two key things that you will change and integrate to become a daily habit of yours. Now, I'm going to nudge you on the journey. As we go through these, I'm going to give you two or three takeaways that I think are the most common interventions that dramatically impact daily energy. So for this, we're going to leave the training alone. We're going to only talk about energy management. So with that said, let's hit it. All right, how do we start this? Well, we're going to talk about daily energy but we're actually going to start by talking about planning your week. Seriously, planning your week? Yes, it has an indirect but dramatic impact on your daily energy. Before we dive into nutrition, fueling and other performance habits, I think gaining control and focus in the makeup of your day is really critical. With clarity comes lower stress and an increased opportunity to focus. So it is important. Now, I really encourage you to start this with a very simple habit every Sunday. Most of us are marching into the week on Monday, and we want to start Monday in an execution mindset. We want to step foot, get out of our car or however we're commuting, hopefully on bicycle, I should say, but we want to be in execution mode. In order to do that, we have to have clarity, a vision, and a plan. And the best way to do that is to integrate a habit that's incredibly simple, but yields great positivity. We call it the Sunday special. On Sunday lunchtime or Sunday afternoon, you need to grab a little bit of time. It might be 20 minutes, 40 minutes. It shouldn't be more than an hour or so. And what you want to do is look ahead. What is the week bringing me? What are my key meetings? What is the work that I have to get done this week to give me the positive yield in my work? When am I going to exercise? What are the commitments that I have outside of exercise? Whether it's coaching your son's soccer game, whether it might be taking your daughter to a swimming lessons, whatever it might be. But we want to get a landscape of the week and we want to plan for the key events. We want to schedule when we're going to get things done. I think it's important to realize that you cannot get everything done. So I really encourage you to plan pragmatically and aim to execute what you can and get the most important stuff on the calendar scripted. If you execute all of that successfully, it's a success. If you get more done, it's a bonus. Don't simply add or stress if you simply cannot get more done. It's an overachievement mindset that ultimately leads to failure. With this very simple planning session, up to no more than 60 minutes, it's going to allow you to move into execution mode. And as soon as you step foot into Monday, you are moving, you are planning. 
And there are layers and layers of stress and angst when you don't have control and you think, I've got this bucket of work to do. What shall I do first that becomes paralyzing? So the first thing we think about energy management is give yourself control, give yourself structure, and therefore you're going to lead with intention and focus. It sounds really, really simple, but ultimately it's critical. Now, with that done, let's go all physiology on you. Let's first talk about post-workout fueling. So if you work out or train in the mornings, this becomes particularly prevalent. And in fact, I would say this is your number one facilitator of energy management in the day, consuming calories within 30 minutes post-exercise. Yes, it maximizes recovery. But beyond that, it's going to lower stress hormones, particularly cortisol, that are rightfully present during your morning exercise, but we don't want to carry to your office desk. It's also going to prevent a symptom that I call athletic starvation, which when you actually exercise and burn calories and do not replenish calories straight away, you're going to get immediate cravings. And that will lead to both overconsumption of calories, but also a consumption of fatigue inducing foods, particularly starchy carbohydrates and sugars. So what should you consume? Well, I think it's important to have two primary macronutrients, the protein, because that's the thing that suppresses the stress hormones, and some carbohydrate. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and it wants to be our largest meal of the day. And if you can have it post-exercise, it's a good time to bank the calories and consume starchy carbohydrates in combination with protein. Now, if you do that right, that's going to be the catalyst to make it much, much easier to make wise and appropriate food choices for the rest of the day. And you can start to taper off the amount of carbohydrate content that you have in the rest of the day, particularly starchy carbohydrates. And the meals can get smaller as you go throughout the day. It's going to put you in a position of control a position of low stress, and a maximal yield from a physiological adaptation component of what you've done in the morning for exercise. And so with that, this is one of the one, two, three rank callouts. This is a non-negotiable. This is your number one performance and energy management habit, post-workout fueling. So we're two in. We've talked about planning the week. We've talked about post-workout fueling. Let's move to nutrition. If we nail the fueling, then you will undoubtedly find that nutrition is easier to manage and execute with proper fueling habits in mind and only with proper fueling habits in mind. That's why we always start with fueling, by the way. But with those fueling habits in mind, you now have the gateway to have appropriate and easily manageable eating habits. So let's go through eating habits with a balanced energy in mind throughout the day. The first, as already mentioned, have a proper breakfast. Do not skip breakfast. And particularly if you exercise in the morning, post-workout breakfast is a wonderful thing. It's very hard to overconsume. Enjoy some starchy carbohydrates. And so post-workout fueling combined with a proper breakfast, including some starchy carbohydrates, two thumbs up. You're fueled for the day. And then for the rest of the day, you should have frequent and small meals throughout the day, remembering that hunger and gluttony over consumption both induce fatigue. So we want to have small meals littered throughout the day, and those meals want to be comprised of mostly vegetables, protein, and fat. 
So notice I say, hey, have breakfast, have starchy carbohydrates. If you have that as a part of your post-workout fueling, for the rest of the day, you can have a much lower ratio of starchy carbohydrates. In fact, your meal plates want to look more very colorful from vegetables, a good quality source of protein, and plenty of good oils. And those good oils can come from avocados, olive oil, lots of different components. What you want to avoid is big starchy carbohydrates. Yes, they're fatigue inducing and particularly sugar. Sugar is like putting paper on the fire. It creates a big spike and a big crash. So these little tidbits are going to help in your daily management of energy. In fact, what it's going to help you avoid is that Thanksgiving Day turkey dinner crash. It occurs to so many people on a daily basis because of morning starvation or post-workout poor fueling and then getting drawn into overconsumption and choosing foods that are either high in sugar or high in starchy carbohydrates. Now, we're not going to have a whole discussion on nutrition today. You don't need me to tell you to avoid packaged foods, to try and eat really healthy. I think that is a given, but these are the key components when it relates to energy management. And so here comes number two rank call out, reducing your daily carbon sugar intake under the assumption that you fueled appropriately is critical to energy management, period. So you want to get the fueling right first. That's the non-negotiable. And the second performance habit is eliminate or greatly reduce starchy carbohydrates and sugars throughout the rest of your work day. Okay, great. So we've got some nutrition, we've got some post-workout fueling, you're structured in your weekly management and you're already in execution mode. What about hydration? Well, let me tell you something about hydration. I think many athletes and endurance enthusiasts are fantastic or at least pretty good with hydration during exercise. Outside, they're awful. In fact, way too many are walking around like an old dried out sponge. You have to remember that the mission of hydration in the day is twofold. Number one is to restore hydration status post-exercise and training. And the importance of this really depends on your training load. If you're a professional athlete, this becomes a mission. If you're exercising once a day and you're only exercising for 40 minutes, it's probably not great dehydration. But that is the first mission. The second is energy optimization. Yes, underneath that is, of course, the overall global health components, and I would even say staying alive. But when we think about it through a performance lens, it's restoring hydration status to help facilitate recovery and other components, and it's energy optimization. You see, the thing is, when you're dehydrated in the day, two things happen. The first is you get hunger signals. Seriously, you get hunger signals. That's often dehydration. And those hunger signals often lead to extra eating of carbohydrates and sugars. And those poor choices create fatigue. The second component of dehydration is sleepiness. So we don't want to get dehydrated if we've got an energy management mindset because you're going to get hungry and you're going to get sleepy. Neither are preferable for your energy. So we want to treat or view water as your energy juice. With that in mind, there are a few things to avoid and a few strategies to go about proper hydration. Number one, avoid sugary drinks and juices. Be very careful with afternoon caffeine 
because that's quite often a facilitator of broken sleep at night, hence under-recovery, hence sleepiness the next day, especially in a chronic state. And I would encourage you instead to focus more on water. You don't need sports drinks. And I don't mind sparkling water. Some dentists won't like it. But you know what? I'm English. I've already got bad teeth. So I'm going to go with the sparkling. Water is fine. If you really want some taste, put a little bit of juice in there. Add a little squeeze of lime or lemon. Sip throughout the day frequent sips and try and get through a couple of bottles of fluid at least. In fact, if you want an algorithm, you want to have about an ounce of fluids for every pound of body weight that you are. That's quite a lot of water. It doesn't matter if you fall short. You don't have to weigh it out. You don't have to measure it. But overall, conceptually, that's what you're looking for. So how do you get that done? Well, a simple immediate habit is Drink two glasses of water with every single meal. You're consuming electrolytes, you're consuming calories, it's going to help with your absorption, and of course, you're getting rehydrated. And then between the time, simply sip on water. Oh, and tea and coffee, not too bad. Tea and coffee are not diuretics. Despite what we were told when we were young, they're not diuretics. But we should only expect to get about 60% of their volume as absorption from a hydration standpoint. So tea is not bad, but make sure you include water as well. And of course, tea and coffee in the afternoon, if it's caffeinated, best avoided in my mind. Now, Let's stick with hydration for a while and remind you a little bit. Let's go to the end of that magic list of seven. I want to talk about hot liquids, a little bit more about caffeine, and of course, alcohol. So morning caffeine, I have no problem with morning caffeine at all, but I prefer it not to use it as a pick-me-up in the afternoon, because as mentioned, it quite often disrupts your evening sleep. So I think it's key to realize that those afternoon slumps of energy that you get have much more to do with your circadian rhythm and a natural restorative process, which is accompanied by a cooling core temperature, hence sleepiness. And so therefore, if you are getting an afternoon slump, you don't have to reach for a sugary beverage. You don't have to reach for caffeinated tea or coffee. Instead, you just need a hot drink. We need to actually get your core temperature up. So have a hot drink without caffeine or sugar. That can be hot water with lemon. It can be mint tea. It can be chamomile tea a much longer lasting, smooth energizer that's going to facilitate performance in the rest of your day. If we get this habit right, we get a little pick-me-up, and of course, we get to sleep more soundly at night. Let's go to alcohol. So for me, alcohol is okay. I don't want you to live like a monk. So if you enjoy a glass of wine, if you enjoy a beer, hey, go for it. But, and it's a big but, realize that it is a diuretic and it can directly influence your sleep. And so that's why in the week, I would really aim to limit or eliminate completely. Sunday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, really drop down the alcohol. If you want to maximize sleep and you want to set up for better daily energy, it's a critical component. One glass of wine with dinner, probably no damage done. Two, an influence. Number three, an absolutely predictable and non-negotiable influence on your energy the next day. If you have three glasses of wine at dinner, you will perform poorly and have energy fluctuations the next day, no matter who you are.
And so, yeah, alcohol is great. Enjoy it. But in the week, I'd prefer you to be careful if we're thinking about energy management. Well, all of this talk about fluids, let's talk about pee breaks and let's actually talk about movement as well. You see, the thing is, when I talk about hydration, the biggest kickback I get is, yeah, that's great. I get that hydration is important, but the challenge is as soon as I start drinking a lot, it disrupts my work day. Just when I think I'm getting some work done, I have to stand up and go for a pee. Well, I really encourage, if that's your mindset, I want you to reframe. And there are several compelling reasons to do so. The first is when we get up for pee breaks, we move blood. And that in itself is energizing. So those afternoon slumps that you get, it's also good to move around. It's really encouraging to know that when you're going for a pee, Most of you guys are not peeing in the bucket next to your desks, but you're actually moving and that facilitates blood circulation and that re-energizes. We also have to realize that if you do have a job where sitting for long periods is a part of it, it's extremely corrosive in your health. There is a wise reason that they are saying sitting is the new smoking. It is incredibly unhealthy and corrosive. And so frequent pee breaks offset this really negative health concern. In fact, recent studies just showed that if you exercise, but then spend long periods of time sitting, it's pretty much as though you never exercise. All of the benefits from it are completely offset by the corrosive nature of sitting down for long periods of time. So get up, move around, energize, and set the lens on pee breaks as a performance enhancer. Now, underneath all of this is one other thing as well. We now know that effective work tends to happen in 50 to 75 minute, quote, sprints of intense focus. If you're peeing more frequently than this, you're overhydrating. But around this frequency, hey, it's a good thing because you're breaking up and you should, by definition, then return and get focused for another sprint of work. So I encourage you, to look for more chances to move in the day, well beyond the pee breaks. Get some short activity in lunch. That might be walking around the office. Hopefully it might be moving outside or walking outside. It might even be going for a quick run or a yoga class. But movement is key because realize that activity releases dopamine and other happy hormones. And it's going to help you in the afternoon to boost productivity when many people's productivity starts to drop. And it's going to facilitate your best decision making and your focus. And so we need to think about pee breaks and movement as direct daily energy enhancers. And finally, we come to something that we wish we all could do with reckless abandon. Naps. Sure, I hear you saying. I'm just going to bring in my blow-up mattress. Well, you know what? It might not be quite what you think. And I think that we can align the subject of naps with another topic, which is meditation. There are very, very few high-performing CEOs that I work with that don't embrace meditation at some level. So if you're able within the structure of your day to get 10 to 20 minutes daily of not naps, but quiet time, it's going to be highly beneficial to you. Now, if you can and you do fall asleep, great. But if not, just be. No screens, no conversation, no work. Clear the mind. Now, a nap, real sleep, that's a dream. 15 to 20 minutes, a little spike in human growth hormone, highly re-energizing, productivity in the afternoon. 
But if it's just not possible in the culture of your company, at least get some quiet time, get to a comfortable environment, even going for a walk. But don't go for a walk and post on Instagram. Go for a walk without your screen and disconnect from the world. Just be. So I ask you this, what is your meditation or recuperation? Because it might just be quiet time. Yes, it might be utilizing a meditation app, but it doesn't have to be all hippy dippy. I would bucket all of this into quiet time, me time, and giving yourself a little bit of break where you disconnect and then reconnect. It is proven, it is shown to facilitate greater energy, greater focus, enhanced decision making and better global performance. I think that is a good thing. Now you can deny but denying is always coming from the survivors. It's never coming from the thrivers. But why is it so trendy? What's actually happening behind it? Well, we know that it boosts afternoon productivity, but as mentioned, it also facilitates greater recovery and growth. There's a real clearance of the mind, and I believe it creates space and a chance then, similar to that Sunday special in many ways, to reconnect with focus. So let's frame these things, naps, meditation, me time, whatever you want to call them, whatever resonates for you. For me, I call them my little performance enhancers. Now, rather than feeling guilty and feeling like I'm being lazy, yes, I have guilt patterns of always needing to do more. Don't forget that I drove myself into the ground and ended up with chronic fatigue from overtraining. I do have the loony gene. So I had to have an honest conversation with myself and actually friends myself. This is not laziness. I am not doing nothing. I am actually enhancing performance. This is the gateway for me to be successful. And with that, once I started to truly believe that it was critical to my performance in the workday, that is when my productivity could rise. So with all of that in, this is the final rank call out. This is my final great option and energy giver. Find a way. Naps, meditation, me time, whatever you want to call it, the most busy people can execute. And so I'm sure that you can find a way somehow. And trust me, you will love me for it. And that makes me happy. If you like me, I'm happy. So that's the energy management. That's quite a collection. But I think it's now time to go back to John. Remember him? Yep, the overworking guy from New York that had the big commute in the family and suddenly became about exercise. And yet, despite on being the quest of getting fit, strong and improving body composition, he was already five weeks in into a cycle of failure. Well, what happened to him? where he had the new passion of fitness and I was going to be his failure, but ultimately stubbornness was preventing real coaching. So we went after energy in the day. What I worked on with him was really four main components. The first, the planning. Let's do the Sunday special. He kicked, he screened, and then he executed. Fueling, a non-negotiable. His fueling was atrocious. We started to get that into place. And on the Back of that, secondly, a few weeks after we nailed fueling, I then built on top and started to refine eating habits. I couldn't do it all at once. We had to get the fueling habit first because without fueling, I knew that eating wouldn't be successful. Once his fueling was in place and we focused on eating habits, it was really easy to eliminate the sugar and reduce the starchy carbohydrates. And the final and fourth component was sleep. Sleep. 
I finally persuaded him to actually integrate sleep twice a week. And is this really sleeping in? But twice a week, he was willing to get up only at 6am rather than four o'clock in the morning. Those two sleeps plus weekends really helped energize him. What I asked of him is I only wanted him to focus on energy and how he actually saw results in critical thinking, focus and decision making. So he was his endurance coach, giving him a program and saying the feedback that I want is how you're feeling in the day, how's your decision making and how's your critical thinking? What happens to clarity, energy and focus? Hang on, don't you want to know my splits? Don't you want to know my heart rate? No, I want to know clarity, engagement, energy and focus. Well, after three weeks, I would say a seismic shift. It didn't start with training. It began with work. And of course, I'm getting fitter. I have great energy and focus. I'm able to sustain energy throughout the day. Well, the truth is that these habits ultimately, yes, did facilitate better energy throughout the day. But what it really was, was a gateway to allow the training to blossom. And it was the energy management mindset and habits that allowed the positive results and the good thing that he integrated into his big life to actually grow into the influence it should be. So what happened next? Well, he got consistent. He got great results. He became smarter and smarter. And to be honest now, I think he's become one of the most intuitive and engaged athletes that I help. On the back of it, he ended up getting competitive. It wasn't just about fitness. He wanted to challenge himself. So his quest this year, he wants to run a marathon and hopefully in 2019, he'll be going to the Boston Marathon. So I think many of us will be able to see ourselves or at least parts of ourselves in John. Great ambition, great motivation, great focus, but ultimately not getting the recipe right. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, having a singular focus on one component, whether it's eating habits just to get improved body composition or exercise and endurance training to try and get ready for a triathlon is never going to yield results. And so energy management becomes a key component of it all. And it doesn't matter whether you're a fitness enthusiast or an absolutely obsessed triathlete, it applies to you. Yes, you, the one that identifies as an endurance athlete. So many endurance athletes are focused solely on getting faster. Tell me what to do to get faster. How do I achieve my goals? How do I get to podium, qualify, finish, yada, 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 all of this. This is the typical mindset of the aggressive athlete. And yet today is an ask to place your mind and goals in daily energy, in your health and performance in the other parts of life. Because guess what? In turn, the focus will be a gateway to be better performance in training and then ultimately in sport. So beyond thinking about energy balance and management throughout the day, realize that this all gets folded into the global performance program. So the takeaways I want you to leave with today is a very strong pathway of control, stability and consistency. Go forth and conquer. Do a little reflection of yourself. And as the call to action was at the start of this show, identify one to two things that you can change now. Change them. Don't try and change everything. I want one to two key habits. And once that habit or two habits are ingrained... See how you feel objectively and then come and listen to this show again and perhaps build on it and add one more thing. 
because you've got to realize that just like big picture performance, energy stability and management is also a journey. It isn't a quick fix. And so our mission, your mission, is to create long-lasting positive habits. And this, I hope, is the start of your route to get these. So best of luck, cheers, and until next time, stay energized and don't get there with an energy drink. Take care. Well, that was energizing. That was fun. I hope I sleep tonight. Good stuff. So that I know that that was a lot of content there. There was a lot of in-depth discussion, a lot to remember. Now, I'm hoping that you draw out one to two things. And you might have thought, crikey, I need to actually go and write this stuff down. But don't worry, I've done that. And I want to share it with you. So yes, if you head across to purplepatchfitness.com forward slash energy tips, that link is going to be in the show notes. I've created a little cheat sheet with my top five habits of energy management and hitting the day in execution mode. So hopefully you can draw from this conversation. Head to purplepatchfitness.com forward slash energy tips, grab the cheat sheet and enjoy it. And then you can put some lasting habits into your own daily life. As ever, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how things are going. Reach out to Purple Patch at any time. Let us know what you want to hear from. We've got some very, very special guests coming up in the next two or three weeks. Yep, there might even be a Boston Marathon champion coming on the show. But until next time, enjoy the week, train hard, exercise strong, and of course, make sure that you're integrating these habits. Take care. Cheers.